Oh, it's very hot, isn't it? It's way too hot. And people don't appreciate this because we're recording this Tuesday night. It comes yeah. out on Saturday. People won't appreciate that we are actually melting here. So we need to get the answer short. Uh, we need to be pithy, Joe. Can you be pithy? I, I, I'm i quite pissed, I think, yes. Are you pissed? I, I think I am. I'm capable of being pithy. What about you? Yes. <laughs> Go on then. Let's get, let's get this pith off. So, uh, lift up holy hands, wave holy legs akimbo, <laughs> irritate others with your fronds of hallelujah. It's, uh, hallelujah. it's another hallelujah. It's another episode of the Mid Faith Crisis, episode nineteen, one nine. No, 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 nineteen. My name is Nick Page, and I'm joined as ever by Joe Davis. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing very well indeed, thanks. Yeah, very good. Good. Apart from it the is, fact it is very, very hot here. It is. It is hot. It's it's, it's moist as well. And that's is. the problem. I don't want to know how moist hot you are. Hot and moist. The two <laughs> things you sort of wish for, but not. Anyway, um, what have you been up to? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I've not been melting. Uh, I've been mm. to cinema, seen a few films. Uh, I saw uh, Wonder Woman and My Cousin Rachel and Churchill. They are good films. Mummy, that is not a good film. Really? Uh, so that uh, finishes my review. No, uh, my cousin Rachel was the star out of those particular films. And uh, did you take your wife st- Rachel to? My I did cousin take my Rachel. wife Rachel to to see my cousin Rachel starring Rachel Vice. You mean? It's like Rachel. <laughs> it was Rachel, it was it? it was a triple Rachel bill, which and mm. that was not Rachel lost cubed. Me. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> it was. Uh, no, what a like great film! It, mm. Is it good? Oh, terrific! Really terrific, brilliant acting. The whole business, beautifully shot. Yeah, just mm, one of those great, great. films. Mm, mm. How about you? What have you been up to? I I've been to Belfast. Oh. I've been to Belfast. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I went to Belfast last weekend to do some speaking, some and uh, it was it was rather wonderful to go there. Uh, I did a book uh, festival um, on the Friday, and then. Uh, men's event on the sun saturday and then a sermon a preachy thing on the sunday which is lovely oh. weather was fantastic was it lovely for the people who were listening to you doing well i can't say they're very nice people actually in belfast so they're not really likely to come up and say well that was a bit rubbish are they so i don't know i uh, sort of imagine actually, a very I, angry tell you what. irish voice no 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 a sort of paisley like you're rubbish. I, I can't do it. <laughs> I don't think those kinds of people are the kind that invite me. Okay. Really. But um, no, actually, I, and I, I talked on the Saturday with Justin Rhys Larkham, who wrote a book uh, called Tales I Lose, I think, um, or Tales I Win. Or, I can't remember what it is. I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll correct that in the edit. Um, and he, uh, it, which is about his gambling addiction, and it's a most amazing and horrifying story really of somebody uh losing so many tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of pounds through gap through online gambling and uh, completely addicted to it and losing his relationship and it's just dreadful and yet you know here's a man absolutely transformed by the love of god who's uh come through it and now helps thousands of others other people through it 
So it was really powerful, you know, uh, really good listening to him. And then I had to get up and talk about sheds and stuff. (laughs) You had to bring the atmosphere right down again. Yes. Was that your phone? Was (laughs) that your phone? No. No. Okay, maybe. (laughs) Stop getting cross with me. Uh, so anyway, that's what I've been doing. Oh, well, that's good. And we um, we also did this. Thing. I mean, you know, there was this awful fire at Grenfell Town. Yeah. And, mm. You know, and we and we had we came off the back of the last two of sort of speaking after terror attacks, and it just know, was so much on, bad news. We did this uh, little thing on the beach, and it, I was quite interested by the response to it. Yeah, I said, look, for those that want to, we're going to meet on the beach, you know, in front of the calf, nine o'clock at night, sort of thing, and. We're going to lay some stones and remember where they. I thought it was all quite creative, and uh, and you know I even the people within the the weird little cult that uh, that I help run, they said, oh no, that's a bit weird. <laughs> it's not really my sort of thing. <laughs> and it was a, it was an extraordinary thing. So I feel like it's, it was just interesting for me that I don't know how to pray for victims no. of terrorism and fires and stuff like that, but I. I feel I want to do something and I know that prayer is the start of action so I kind of think well look I'm going to go to the beach and I'm going to you know we, we did a little heart thing out of stones and we laid stones in and, and, and it was symbolic of just laying it down to God look God you know my heart aches but I haven't got a clue what I can do so I'm just laying this down to you and it made me I mean it, it genuinely helps me to do that kind of stuff and you know you know I'm always doing things like that on the beach but i do get the feeling that for many people this is just strange and weird and completely invalid <laughs> well i don't know you see the thing is it depends it's probably strange and weird because you're organizing it but that's there is that part of the thing um, I, I think actually what's in, one of the things that's interesting about the events recently is is that people naturally fall into a kind of ritual response mm. so after manchester people what do they do they sort of burst out to singing they yeah. sang, really and they sang. You know, don't, don't look, look back, back in anger. anger. Yeah, uh, you know, it was kind of secular hymn, I suppose. I don't know really. And what do they do? They lay flowers. Everybody wants to lay, even though they haven't yeah. um, lost people in these disasters. They want to put something, as it were, on an altar kind of thing. They I want think to show that they care. Yeah, absolutely yeah. ingrained in humans about a ritualistic kind of response, and uh, it's a perfectly valid. Response. And there's something it, about community there. There's a sense of yeah, you know, if you do together. if you do this to them, you're doing it to me, yeah, as well. And I think that message has been coming through yeah. as well. From you know, it's, yeah. So you know, I think that's a you know perfectly um, reasonable thing to do. Um, Albeit but, it's know, weird and strange. Yeah, weird and strange. So, do we have any uh, correspondence? We do, and we've had loads of really lovely emails. And I can, I must say, thank you uh, so much to so many of you who are writing in. And I don't read out all the ones that just say thanks for a lovely podcast, but we do appreciate it. And a number of people particularly appreciated the last one on anger, which I assume mm. means there's a number of very angry people out there. But who knows? <laughs> um, yeah. Delith, uh, Delith wrote in and said, "I've just discovered your podcast after reading the article in Christianity Magazine. Very helpful. I thought I was losing my mind. So glad to hear I'm not the only one going through this." Uh, Delith, you are not the only one 
as we are discovering week by week or fortnight by fortnight, uh, you are one of a, an ever-growing crowd of people, I think. And then up Ian... To, up to as many as 15. Up to as many. Well, actually, this is going to make you smile. Uh, one from Ian. He said, Dear Nick and Joe, I'm really enjoying your podcast and just wanted to encourage you, as according to my podcast player, 14 people have now subscribed. I'm wow. <laughs> also enjoying reading Dark Knight of the Shed, but not sure I'm quite so keen to read your book on Luther. Keep up the good work. We'll come back to that about the book on luther but um mm. yeah i mean it's it's slightly more than 14 uh we're not really playing that whole numbers game thing but i think it's well over a thousand people have listened to the first one anyway and uh they probably stopped after that i, I would have thought of that but, yes it's you can fool all people once can't you i mean the point is um and for those people who say i thought it was the only one going through this i mean when we started this podcast i sort of assumed you know couple of family members i was wrong about that uh and maybe some <laughs> maybe some friends would listen at the most 50 or 100 and it has by far exceeded that and uh yeah. and the big picture coming through is that you know people are not alone but they're they're finding it helpful so we'll keep doing this as long as it's helpful and as soon as the figures will drop down we'll know it's not helpful although we may still keep doing it anyway because i've never been remotely interested if i look if i stopped (laughs) doing things because people weren't paying attention i wouldn't write another book you know i don't don't don't, no and also i think i personally stand in a long tradition of church history that says you should run things into the absolute ground you never (laughs) <laughs> you never kill them. Absolutely. <laughs> Before you you've keep... really bled mm. every single last drop of life. Staggering on. That's how it operates in the Anglican so, Church, certainly. Exactly. And the Baptists. So Nick and I are committed. And that's what it's all about, folks. Being committed. That's all that matters. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, Naomi wrote in because she won the competition. Nick, have you sent her her book? Yes. Yes, I just thought I'd throw this in and surprise Nick. Have you sent the book? Because I want. By the time this goes out, I will have. Right, Naomi, if if you're listening, uh, look, I've been really busy. I've been away Naomi, to if Belfast. You're li- Shut I've up, been please. Travelling. Naomi, if you're listening to this and you haven't received the book, please would you email Joe at midfaithcrisis.org to letting me know. Thank you. Mm. I'm going to say no more about that. Okay. But you know what I think. <laughs> I can see your disapproving look. Good, thank you. Okay, um, Dorothy, uh, this is. Uh, I'm only going to read a bit from uh, the second email that Dorothy sent through. Uh, hello, Dorothy, of course. Uh, she said, uh, blah, blah, blah. Incidentally, you might like to consider exploring further the whole emotion thing. Anger tends to be a forbidden emotion in Christian circles, and you've looked at that. So, however, is fear so often interpreted as lack of faith, which it utterly Mm. isn't. Also, desire, sexuality, viewed with deep, deep suspicion and considered somehow intrinsically sinful, which it isn't. And in many Christian circles, even simple enjoyment of a good meal, good secular music, a good novel, especially if it includes S.E.X. or anything to do with fantasy or magic, Discworld, Harry Potter, I've heard both of these condemned. Whatever happened to God saw all he had made, and behold, it was very good. Also, sometimes it might be worth looking at what we understand by healing. So there's loads in there. If only we knew what we were talking about, we, exactly. could, to- we could tackle some of those. Well, funnily enough, oh, I... No, the, 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 the thought of doing a podcast on the sex issue, I thought, seemed, you know, rather strange. Until I saw, came across this book the other day called Sex Matters. Written by... Oh, oh yes. Go there. Oh, wow. yes. I can't believe you're springing this on me. 
I didn't write that, okay? I want that. <laughs> okay. Before. Okay, but you have to promise to put the cover on the website. Mm, no, <laughs> never. Behold Deny the everything. beauty of that book. <laughs> People change, you know, Joe. Do they? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now I'm just uh, one more one more email. Um <laughs> you, <laughs> Okay, Peter wrote an email. He said, uh, uh, thank you for giving this season in my life a name. Thank you for letting me know it's not just me. Uh, thank you for having me to understand it's not a failing. I'm still quite new to my faith, about two years in, and I actually thought I'd missed something quite important when I started to deconstruct what I thought I understood. Although I have nothing to complain about, I just felt like I'd had 40 years of pottering on the outer fringes of faith and not really liking what I've been brought up to believe. And now almost everything has been thrown out, replaced by a more inclusive, loving, respectful understanding in the space of just two years. Probably just tripped my spiritual circuit breaker. Anyway, he went on to say lots of lovely things. but um, and, and also, I like the title of his email, which was The Old Guy with the White Beard Has Left the Building. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a good yeah. title. So, hello, Peter. Welcome uh, to the family. Yeah, great. Thank you for, thank you for that. Thank you for all those uh, emails. We do read them, and uh, they, they're, they're great. Um, yeah, I've got you. a statement here. In fact, uh, okay. not so much a letter. I've got a statement issued. Um, this is from our friend Ethel, Ethel, sad old person. And she says this, uh, To the voters of Upper Ramsbottom, it is with regret that I've decided to step down as leader of the Herbalist and Old English Communist Knitwear Party. Despite increasing my share of the vote at the last election by 100% to two votes, I feel it's time for a change. I'm stepping down with immediate effect, although since I'm the only member of the party, I'm happy to hand over to myself. But it's important for all parties to change to reflect the times. And although the times in my case are the 1940s, change is still possible. <laughs> so I think it's, it's very a very nice, moving um, statement. Very moving uh, statement. And once again, you know, it's kind of what we thought we might talk about today, which Joe has already breached in terms of change, the way we yeah. change. I'll show you, actually, before then, though, let me show you something. <laughs> Because as you mentioned my books, look at this. Oh, look at that. Nick, what? It's enormous. It is enormous. It's it's blue. It's blue and enormous. Uh, It's my book, my new book. Oh, it's fantastic. Well, I say that. I haven't read it. It's terrifying is what it is. Why? when When you get a new book. But it looks so shiny and lovely. Come on, what's it like? Well, it is. I find it really scary when a new book comes out. It's exciting to see it, but um, it, it it's a kind of odd feeling, really, because um, partly, you know, there's there's always things that you've missed out. There's always things that you feel like I could have put that in, or I could have said that in, or even I've changed my mind about something, and it's there in print, and it's there forever now. And you mentioned a book that <laughs> that, that yeah. sex matters, but well, I. I what <laughs> my involvement with that, and this is what nineteen ninety. One or ninety two is that I sort of drafted a few notes for Steve Chalk towards a book, yeah. you know, about a couple of thousand words or something towards this book, a framework for it. And then he went and wrote it off the back of that, or somebody else did, or I don't know. Um, but somehow my name's always appeared on it. And I don't, I, you know, I, and oh, I haven't it? ever dared to go back because I'm, sh- I'm sure I'm not the same person now. Oh, and that's it's... the problem with writing books is that you're kind of, you're stuck there, really. Um, your, t- your opinions change, and that's a good thing. You know, it's a great yeah. thing for your opinions to change. 
but it feels kind of odd, really, because people then fix you at a certain point. Yeah. Publishing a book is a bit terrifying. Writing a book is just sheer exhaustion, and then publishing it is just scary, really. I don't really know why I do it. And it's scary because, because A, you realise all the other things you could have said, but B, mm. also it's there for time in memoriam. Yeah. So in 20 years' time, your friends can embarrass you with, look, you said this. Yeah, precisely. And and one of the things that happens in our, in our culture... Um, is that people assume that, and we've had it recently with politics, people assume that just because you said something in the past, you still think that now. Yeah. And 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 so we had it a lot with politics, with uh, Corbyn and his support yeah. for various things, or or anyone on any side, really. You said yeah, this. Sure. And how, and what politicians never do is, is the simplest thing, which is to say, well, I've completely changed my mind on it. Yeah, that's seen as absolute weakness. Yeah. Somehow. Oh, but, you've done a U-turn. But why should that be weakness? Well, I don't know. To be know. convinced by new circumstances and new arguments and, you know... So, you know, I think I look back on the, the books that I wrote. I've been writing books for a long time. And I look back on some of them now. And some of the things that I would have written back then, I don't really hold to now. Um, does that invalidate the book? No, it doesn't. Does it? But it, but it, it kind of means that we all... We all change. We all we're always moving. We're always de- we're developing. Uh, otherwise, we're we're just dead in the water, really. But it is a kind of odd. It's an odd, odd feeling, really. Um, but I think I, I think what it, it's also quite hopeful in a way because I think um, I suppose the other thing is that it shows that change is possible. You know, people do change. People yeah. can change. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, I don't. I think we're just talking about changes of opinions here. But yeah, but. I- yeah, I mean, I th- well, all I was going to say is that I think that, you know, when you think, when I think about my own spiritual journey, you know, when I became sort of a Christian as a youngster, I had answers to everything, you know, yeah. I felt, I mean, that's partly it's just the sheer arrogance of youth mm. um, and lack of experience of the world and everything else. But but now I feel like far more comfortable to say, A, I really don't know about some of these and some of these things I am more fundamental about, you know, more yeah. convinced of. And so, you know, I... I you know, is it fair to say I quite regularly change my mind theologically? It's 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 a moving, dynamic thing. Just when mm. you think you've got a handle on something, something new opens up and mm. and shifts your. Opinion. I think I think the, the 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 other part of that though is the 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 change not just in your opinions but in who you you are in your actions. You yeah, know, and that's journey, probably that the more important that, change. That's yeah. the more important, and I think the more difficult. Yeah, change. Absolutely. And whether your opinions actually change in a way that makes you a more Christ-like person, makes you a better person, people's opinions change, can can change all over the place. So I think it's really what is driving that change. I, I've been reading this little um, book by Rowan Williams called Dwell- "The Dwelling of the Light," and it's about icons. And it's, it's a, okay. he's a great writer, but sometimes you have to read him eight bi- times. It's not as big as yours, though. To be fair, no, it's pithy. It's yeah. got a, it's it's full of pith, it and uh, you know, um, <laughs> and he he, these about icons of Christ, and he says this, which I thought was a good quote. He says, uh, "When you looking at Jesus seriously changes things. If we do not want to be changed, it's better not to look too hard or too long." Ah, oh, that's good. I I love that because I yeah. think that's really from from my point of view, and I think that I I hope that I would be able to discern that in my own writing. Yeah. As, as time goes by, and 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 looking at my words, is that I, what I really would hope is that people could see my writing and say that he's moving in a Jesus direction with yeah. it. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know that that, and I think that would be true. I I agree with you. When I I started out writing um, drama, really, that's how I kind of started, and I was in a oh, theatre yeah. company and doing all yeah. that kind of stuff. When I think of some of the early sketches we wrote, I think with absolute horror about them, about you know their their binary view of life yeah, and sure. you know how sinners were going to hell. And I think if people you know, if people looked at those and then maybe looked at some of my more recent writing, I hope they would discern somebody who's got a little um, more humble and a little more wise yeah, insofar as it's possible for me, but a little more towards Christ, yeah. you know. Um, well, I've seen uh, that in you. Have you? Yeah, of course I have. Is yeah. it the beard? I have. Is that yeah. really done it? I mean, I've seen some things that clearly still need changing for your own benefit and for the benefit of all of society. But there are other... <laughs> No, you genuinely seem, I think you seem like a less anxious man than I have known you in the past, more kind of comfortable in your own skin. Mm. And some mm. of that I know is to, to do with getting a bit older, but some of it, I, I think, you know, I was going to mention the Renovare mm. course. And just for me, what's been so wonderful about my involvement with Renovare is, you know, they really introduced me to this whole idea of to follow Jesus is to go into training. It's not just about one day making a decision. I'll follow Jesus and then mm. life goes mm. on as normal. No, mm. you you go into training and and I've certainly watched friends who have walked a similar path as this, you know, definitely becoming moving from like very anxious to far less anxious, moving from being very impatient to more patient and from being a kind of person who's totally driven by their work to being a more compassionate person, the person who sees others around them and and that's that for me, you know, when I see that in someone else, it always challenges me to, to, to throw back the question, am I becoming more Christ-like? What are people saying about me? Because mm. I don't, what I don't want to do is just get older and exchange one set of views for another set of views, as you say. I'll, and you can't, fake, you can't fake this, can you? I mean, I no. never know whether a politician no. is telling the truth or lying. You know, does Theresa May genuinely now think Brexit was a good idea and before she really thought it was a bad idea, you know, or is that a political manoeuvring? And I could similarly say things about my faith. Well, I used to believe this and now I believe this. And I used to have a good set of arguments why this is wrong. And now I have a good set of arguments. It's right. Whereas I think that may or may not be of interest to people. But what the people closest to me can be judging quite easily is, you know, am, am I becoming a more loving person or am I not? this is interesting i think because so one of the reasons it's interesting that concept of training which mm. involves um active things doing stuff yeah you know practical exercises things that you do is not something that i was particularly brought up with mm. and mm. what i was brought up with was the concept of making a commitment so yeah. when you make a commitment to follow jesus so that thing and and then you wonder why really you haven't changed yeah. much exactly. because you know that's just a theoretical thing you know that you've made it i've made a commitment to follow jesus well what does that mm. mean well i just sit here now i've just changed i've just changed my mind that's all mm. and i think i think one of the frustrations for me in my life was that it didn't you know i, I kept learning mm. new things about jesus and and, and doing yeah. lots of stuff about that and doing doing lots of talking yeah. and writing books but i didn't feel in myself that i had actually changed mm. because i think i didn't have any kind of sense of training there was mm. nobody saying as a disciple now you you what's could plan? do with yeah. developing this yeah. what's your plan yeah what's your you know that um i love the 
the cycling, um, British cycling, you know, the the one marginal gains. Did you hear about that? The Olympics. Yeah. So no, this is what know. they did. So the transformation in in cycling, you know, where we now. Yeah. We, Britain's We've British are very world. British are yeah. very good at any activity that involves sitting on things with wheels. You know, that's okay. or or any, or in a boat. You know, anything that can be tampered. Uh, you know, anything that could be um, worked on, mechanical. <laughs> we're we're great at that. We're great in cars, on bikes, on boats. Anyway, but no, they had this thing. How do you get an elite athlete to improve by ten percent? It's really hard in any one area to get them to improve by 10%. So what they would do is they would look at all like hundreds of different areas and say, can we improve by 1% uh, in those areas? Because yeah. if we can improve by 1% in 10 areas, we'll have a 10% increase. Uh, very and good. It, it's called marginal gains. And it, I thought it's brilliant. And I thought it's really interesting to think about it from a spiritual point of view. Because I think often, for example, in our prayer life, we, we want to make a 10% increase or a 100% increase. We want to suddenly, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I'm not praying at all. I am now going to pray for four hours every day. Yeah, bad That's idea. That's an absolute yeah. nightmare. Yeah. But if you could get to a point where you could pray regularly, you know, for 10 minutes every day or yeah. five minutes every day, make a marginal, if you can make yeah. a marginal gain in that area, then gradually this thing begins yeah. to transform you and if you're looking at jesus the whole time yeah. if you're if you're heading towards jesus the whole time you cannot as rowan williams yeah. wrote you can't look on jesus i yeah. think and not be changed and i think i think i mentioned it before but you know when i, when I was leading these uh, spiritual formation groups which is a terrible title i know um, but just with guys who were doing exactly that they just just committed to a couple of acts of secrecy in the week and a bit of margin so arriving at the meetings that they had to attend but earlier for work and mm. and taking them time just to center themselves and to pray and uh, and 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 also to engage in sabbath keeping and just the transformation just wow. doing that yeah. just doing mm. that was incredible i mean it was extraordinary mm. and it was far more than 10% improvement i mean it was it was like a 100% improvement and they were only doing three little things you know three mm. of the little practices from the, the sort of group books that uh, we often use at Renovare. And so, you know, doing just sitting around learning a new set of beliefs or something, you know, quite a cerebral doesn't often bring much transformation. I don't want to throw the baby out with the water and say, like, you, you know, it's, it's, it's not important at all. But doing stuff and trying things and, you know, doing that whole thing of queuing in the longest queue occasionally just to break your patterns in the supermarket and um, and doing random acts of kindness mm -hmm. and doing that whole, I'm just going to sit still for two minutes every day. And it's astounding how many people don't do that. They don't mm. embrace two minutes of silence mm. in a day. So their whole day is basically filled with noise. And the transformation is extraordinary. Yeah, you're helped by talking through other people as well. I think that's the thing as well. That one of the, you know, obviously the concept of training, well, it's useful to have a trainer as well. So I think one of the big things for me was having people alongside you yeah. who, to whom you were accountable and who would say things to you yeah. and who, who could help and who you could journey with. And so it's back to that thing about, you know, A, getting a spiritual director, but B, people who've written in saying, is there a group near me, a mid-faith crisis group, mm. to which we always mm. say, no, just gather a few friends and support mm. each other. Or, or can, you can you can commit to doing something with somebody and then they'll hold you to it. Like, for example, posting a book to a competition winner. That kind exactly. of thing. You know, there's yeah, an accountability. The there's a basic accountability issue there. But, you know, like a friend of mine was talking to me about the difficulty of finding 
uh, solitude or a, a quiet really at home because he said whenever I'm at home there's stuff to do there's loads of stuff to do there's there's, there's stuff calling me I find it really hard to break out of that so I was talking to him about just changing the context getting out of there you know getting to going to a place where there is nothing to do yeah. go out for a walk yeah exactly yeah um, now Very all that good. takes now that's a good idea I think and it's a simple idea and it's a marginal gain but I think all it takes is for me to keep reminding him and yeah. saying how's that going have you have yeah. you tried yeah. that where's the different context for you because i think that can make a massive difference as well so you know a trade the concept of training the concept of having a trainer the idea that change is possible i, I really do think that's the case and it, it should be the case shouldn't it this is mm. the other thing i think about um what dallas willard said you know about that change should be visible we sh- you yeah. should know yeah. if somebody is a disciple of christ and you should be able to yeah. see an improvement yeah. Yeah. in their lives. I don't know Absolutely. if looking back over my my collected works, you would you would see that. I kind of <laughs> hope so, and I kind of <laughs> hope it will come out in the future. I'm not so sure it's going to come out in a book called A Nearly Infallible History of the Reformation because it's full of very rude jokes. But uh, <laughs> Some but things don't you, change. Some things don't change. And indeed, in fact, even the jokes don't change, essentially. Exactly. still basically the same. But Dallas Willard also said something really helpful. He said, your deformed desire system, I like that phrase, mm. your deformed desire system doesn't necessarily change just because you become a Christian. So I think we should set expectations, don't, shouldn't we, appropriately, that just because you've made a commitment to Christ, you know, at some point in your life, you know, as a teenager or a young adult, doesn't mean that the following day you your ingrained habits are going to change. And to change habits oh, yeah. requires a little bit, it's harder, and that, and but that's that's we do set these unrealistic things. So we, you know, yeah. because we're in a cons, we be well. I was in a, a system which said make the commitment to Christ, and then your life is transformed. Well, I made the commitment to Christ, and yeah. my life sort yeah. of was yeah, transformed in some of, ways. But actually, things a lot yeah. of my it, it almost split. You know, half of mm. me was kind of following that, and the other mm. half of me was wondering why it was still exactly the same as it used yeah. to be. Of course, yeah. Um, yeah. That's where all those other systems come. So, you know, it's about being much more than a convert, but being a, a, a disciple, uh, yeah. which means, of course, trainee, apprentice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, there we go. Well, there so, you go. That's good. So well, one of the things we wanted to say to people was to get them to do something active. Yes. And this was the idea of helping people identify how how their own opinions have changed and how they have changed. And so the question was, what would you say to yourself now if you could go back 20 or 30 years depending how old you are listeners (laughs) what would you say to your younger self now with the with the experiences and the wisdom and the decisions you've made along the way what would you now go back and say to your younger self and if you're brave enough please just send us a, a, a one or two line email Hmm. with uh, well as send it to joe at midfaithcrisis.org and we'd love to use this as sort of content for um for the yeah next i mean episode. we were we were kind of thinking about this because i suppose as a writer i've got now a body of work that goes back a long time i wonder what i would hmm. write to the younger nick page what would i yeah. do that i think probably it's good if you and i bring something back next time yes and, okay uh, we'll you know, i could write something to the younger you yeah, to. no, I don't want you to. I think no, you wrote, I, I've got you wrote quite ideas. enough to the younger me. In fact, frankly, I've got a few ideas for the present you as well. <laughs> well there's going to be a few for you if you don't get that book sent on. I, I will, I will. So anyway, it's too hot now. I, I want to go. I'm Okay. 
I'm all sticky and... Yeah, okay, please stop. Is this a near <laughs> ending? Think... There is a near ending coming, and uh, I think we should we should embrace it. Yes, indeed. So thank you again for listening. Thank you very much for listening. I think you're going to go and have a swim now, aren't you? I'm going to go in the sea. Yeah. That's what I love. So I expect sea levels to rise around the <laughs> south coast. You are so I'm nice. going to I'm going to take a drink gin, I think. That's what my... Because okay. play to your strength, that's what I say. Anyway, yes, a near ending is now a real ending. Goodbye, everybody. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Thanks so much. <laughs>